Welcome to Stories of Iceland. August was better than June and July. Weather-wise, at least here in Reykjavik. But I spent my time indoors, laying down floorboards and generally trying to make my apartment livable. So I put my microphone down for a while. Actually, Icelanders often change their habits during the summer. Likely because even though there is not much sunshine, there is so much more light than in the winter. But I still tried to get one episode out in August. But the sound quality in my recording room wasn't good enough. I hope it's better now. So my Patreon supporters will get this episode a week later than planned, but while everyone else will get access to it three days later. Speaking of my Patreon supporter, I would like to thank them for their support. If more people join, I can make more episodes and hopefully stick to a regular schedule. Visit patreon.com slash stories of Iceland to find my page. Also, please like, subscribe, review, comment and share. I'd also like to give a warm welcome to Austin Yule, who is my newest supporter. But this is the 13th episode and it's called Whose People Are You? Iceland is in the North Atlantic. Its capital city is Reykjavik. When I was young, it was still common to be asked the question, In English, the question would be, Whose people are you? It means, Who are your parents, grandparents, uncles, and so forth? You were then judged by the answer. The Icelandic word for family is fjölskylda. It is a compound word which literally means many duties. The latter part of the word, skilda, means duty. So when we say that someone is related to us, we say that a person is our duty. I am, of course, talking about a very literal meaning of the word. When I say that someone is related to me, I'm not really saying that I have a duty towards this person. But still, these are the words we use, and there's a mentality connected to it. When we think of family as a duty to many people, we can understand why Icelanders have an obsession with genealogy. I was recently driving some guys from the airport in Keplavik to a heavy metal festival in the east of Iceland so they could make their concert. And since it was over nine hours of driving, we talked a lot. 
I was asked if it was true that Icelanders knew all their ancestors and could trace their family history all the way back to the settlement era. The answer to this question is no and yes. I can look up the settlers of Iceland in a database and see how I am related to them. If I type in the name of the very first settler, Ingolur Arnarsson, I can see that he is my direct ancestor in the 34th generation through my grandmother. And I can see the name of every single ancestor in between. With the same database, I can also find out which Norwegian kings are my ancestors. I can also trace my roots to a 10th century Irish king named Murkartach Machnail. When I was studying folklore at University College Cork in Ireland, I mentioned this to a couple of Irish people who weren't impressed. I also guessed that they weren't impressed by my pronunciation of the name Murkartach Machnail. When a Danish king first visited Iceland in the 19th century, it is said that many Icelandic farmers treated him almost as an equal, since they knew that they themselves were descended from kings. So Icelanders do have amazing genealogy records, and those are great fun to play with. But how reliable are they? The earliest record of the settlers is from a 12th century source called Islandinga Book, the Book of the Icelanders. It is part history and part genealogy. It was written by a priest called Ari Frodi, Ari the Learned. As far as you know, Ari had no written sources, so he relied on oral ones. The most famous of these sources was Ari's foster father, who, according to Ari, lived for 94 winters and claimed to remember having been baptized at three years old by the missionary priest Thangbrandr the year before Christianity was forced upon Icelanders in the year 999. A often quoted part of Ari's book is a clause where he says that if anything he writes is shown to be untrue, the reader should believe what is more true. Ari also traces his own ancestry back through semi-legendary Swedish kings, humanized Nordic gods, and then the king of Turkey. Ari had children, like most early Icelandic Catholic priests, but since his two great-grandsons, who also became priests, seem to have adhered to the vow of celibacy, he has no direct descendants today. But his brother might be my ancestor, so we can add Turkish and Swedish kings, along with Nordic gods, to the list of my glorious forebears. You might have spotted one problem we have with our genealogy. Even though people might say that they want to believe what is really true, there is a temptation to find famous ancestors and interesting ancestors for your own glorification. There are two other sources of early Icelandic genealogy. One is the Book of Settlers, which briefly tells the stories of the settlers. And the other is the Corpus of the Icelandic Sagas. And by that I mean the family sagas that are set in the early settlement era of Iceland. The Icelandic sagas go in depth 
into the lives and struggles of the settlers and their families. These sagas are a mix of history and legend. Some of the stories might be true in some way, but the details might also be very exaggerated. One memorable character who appears in quite a few sagas is called Olaver Pau Höskulsson. The middle part Pau is an epithet that is derived from the Icelandic word for peacock. It means that Olaver was a fancy dresser. So anyway, Olaver was most likely a real person, though we can't really know how much about him is true, but I am still going to try. Olaver was the bastard son of an Icelandic chieftain named Höskuldur and an Irish slave named Melkorka. Since the culture of society was very biased against people of low birth, it made Olaver look bad that his mother was a slave. But according to the sagas, Melkorka had a secret. Her father was an Irish king named Mirkjartan. So Olaver travelled to Ireland and met his grandfather, who acknowledged him, and this is how we know for sure that Icelanders are descended from Irish kings. Are you buying this story? The mother says she's an Irish princess, and the son goes to Ireland and gets recognition. Olaver was rich and had many influential children, but according to the beliefs of Icelanders, great people were descended from other great people. I think it is much more likely that someone, maybe the mother, maybe the son, or maybe the grandchildren, made up this fantastic story to distance themselves from their humble origin. Another saga explains how Icelanders thought that rich and important people had better children than poor people. A chieftain named Ausbjörn and his wife Thorgerður had a daughter called Thorni, ran away with the Norwegian. This upset Ausbjörn so much that when Thorgerður became pregnant again, he ordered her to expose the child, that is, leave it out in the wilderness, to die. Thorgerður decided not to commit infanticide and instead gave the child, a boy, to her old foster mother, who then claimed the baby was her own. But everyone could tell that the child wasn't hers. It was much more beautiful than she or her husband. The boy was tall and strong and noble. The saga repeats this again and again ad nauseum. It was unthinkable that a chieftain's child would be mistaken for a child of low birth. Of course, the boy showed everyone how great he was and he was acknowledged by his real family. He got the name Fimboye and is, as you might guess, one of my ancestors. So you can see there was a great impetus to trace your lineage back to important people. And my guess is that people made up lies or fudged their stories just so they wouldn't be considered a lesser class of human being. The Icelandic sagas are mostly about families. They talk about feuds, vendettas and murder. But they also show us how the legal system in Iceland work. Influence was everything. You might think that the proto-jury system Iceland had would be a leveler so the rich and the poor would get the same justice. Absolutely not. If you did something wrong, you could pay your way out of trouble. If you had money, you could try to get a chieftain to take up your case. 
And the best way to get a chieftain to help you was to be a member of their family, someone they owed duty to. A chieftain would show up with many men at the thing and help you. If you were poor and unrelated to the chieftains, you could also get their help, but they didn't do anything for anyone without getting something in return. The chieftains often got involved in legal cases to get more cattle, more sheep, and more land. The poor were just pawns. Let's take a step back. Remember that the settler Ingolur Arnason was my 31st generation grandfather. Do you know what 31 generations mean? People have a pair of parents, two pairs of grandparents, four pairs of great-grandparents, and so forth. How many pairs of ancestors are there in the 31st generation? I'd be impressed at anyone doing that math in their head, but for those of you who aren't quick at complex mental arithmetic, Ingolver is one of eight and a half billion possible ancestors. He and his wife Hatlweg are one pair out of more than four billion possible ancestors. Of course, I don't have that many ancestors. Ingolver, if he really did exist, is likely the ancestor of all my great-great-grandparents, at least according to the unreliable sources we have. We don't know how many people lived in Iceland when it was considered fully settled. We know that for most of its history, Iceland has had a relatively steady upper limit of how many people it could sustain. The number is about 50,000 people. We don't have records about all the people who settled Iceland. We know about the chieftains and the other people who would trace their ancestry to respectable people, but we know almost nothing about common people. Only some people were deemed important enough to have their ancestry recorded in full, but there was always another need to record ancestry. Since there weren't that many people in Iceland, let alone in isolated parts of Iceland, it became important to know who was related to whom. You didn't want to marry someone closely related to you. You wanted a bit of fresh blood. So the records kept people from inbreeding most of the time. In modern Iceland, the obsession with genealogy has been computerized. The oldest Icelandic software for recording these records on your home computer dates back to 1988. I had one of those and compiled a record about my great-grandfather's descendants for a family gathering. Today I use newer software based on the so-called GetCom standard, which was developed by the Church of Latter-day Saints. The most famous Icelandic genealogical database is called Islandica Book, the Book of Icelanders, named for the book written by Ari the Learned. This database was compiled in connection with Decode Genetics, a company that researches the connection between genetics and common diseases. It makes for a powerful and a bit alarming tool for research. This database was made available to the public in the year 2003 in what one freelance genealogist called a brilliant stroke of crowdsourced proofreading. From my account, I can see everything recorded about my great 
grandparents' descendants. I can also see information about all my ancestors, as well as every single person born before the year 1700. The most popular feature is arguably typing in the name of any Icelander and see how you're related. It can be great fun. It is extremely unlikely that you can find some common ancestor between two people whose roots are, in some part, Icelandic. But we don't know everything. When I scrutinize my records, I can see that some records only go back seven generations. It is often very predictable. Women are more likely to be data orphans. The same goes for poor people, which is most of my ancestors. But there are also difficult cases where men are called Jón Jónsson and women are called Guðrún Jónsdóttir. These are so common that it can be literally impossible to find out who's who. There are also cases of misattributed paternity. These can be accidental or purposeful. For instance, before my grandmother died, she said that her grandmother had in fact not been the daughter of her purported father. A poor man was paid off to claim paternity, and the real father became a famous priest and folklore collector. There were supposed to be records that revealed the truth, but I have gone through everything I've got my hands on and found nothing. There are, of course, many problems with this genealogical obsession that Icelanders have. One is that it is exclusionary. Immigrants can't log into a database and see records that bind them to the history of the country. Another problem is that genealogy is the basis of a certain class system in Iceland. Do you remember the saga of Finnboy who was brought up by poor people but everyone could see how noble he truly was? You could just chalk that up to some sort of folklore motif, but we don't have to go back many decades in Iceland to a time where it was common that the children of lower-class parents were treated as unteachable idiots in the school. If they did well, it was assumed that they had cheated. The thinking was that your potential was determined at birth. This way of thinking has not completely disappeared. There are societies where corruption takes the form of bribery. In Iceland, the dominant form of corruption is nepotism. I'm not saying that you can't get ahead here unless your friends and family have money or power, but it's still the easiest way. So, even though it is rare to be asked whose people you are in a job interview, it does happen. But the more frequent way is to do an internet search on people, to find out if you belong to the right family, if you went to the right school, if you belong to the right political party, and if you have the right friends. The interviewer can even go to the genealogy website, Islandegavok, to see how he is related to the applicant. So while it is fun to learn about your ancestors, it is a double-edged sword. And it is good to remember the words of the American comedian Chevy Chase, who was himself descended from rich and important people. He said that people who define themselves in terms of their ancestry were like potatoes. The best parts of them were underground. I am Olingnestis Olerson, and this has been Stories of Iceland, episode 13. Whose people are you? That's it for today. Thanks for listening. 
another big thanks to my Patreon supporters. If you want to join them and help me make my episodes more regular and more frequent, go to patreon.com slash stories of Iceland. That is patreon.com slash stories of Iceland. Special thanks go to my noble sheep on Patreon, Austin Newell and Fred Sudler. Thanks for your help.